We have an energetic left that is trying to tell us how to run our lives in every, every, every sector uh, of our lives. And I think it's unfortunate. It's, it's really problematic. So what I'm asking everybody is three very simple questions with profound answers. Are you freer today than you were two years ago? Are you safer today than you were two years ago? And are you more prosperous than you were two years ago? I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And this is another episode of Fact Check. Today we have a shrewd and very astute guest, constitutional lawyer and professor, Ryan Owens. Welcome to Fact Check. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I, I like that shrewd and astute. I'm going to have to borrow that as we move forward. <laughs> so, Ryan, you were telling us uh, before we started the podcast about a case that you almost presented to the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a state Supreme Court case in Utah. Will you elaborate? Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. It was a fascinating case. I represented uh, U.S. Senator Mike Lee and Ted Cruz uh, as well was on that case. Um, it was a, a fascinating uh, associational rights case that came out of Utah. Um, as it currently stands, Utah likes to use caucuses to select uh, their nominees for offices. And what happened is the state uh, the, the folks in the state legislature, Republicans in the state legislature, didn't like the fact that the party used caucuses. They thought that uh, caucus uh, generated candidates that were more conservative than what the state uh, uh, folks thought were, were palatable to a lot of the electorate. And so they changed state law to require to require that state parties used uh, primaries. And you know, we thought that that violated uh, the party's First Amendment uh, associational rights and uh, so we challenge that uh, that that action. That's a really interesting story. Why should Wisconsin voters vote for Ryan Owens to be the next state attorney general? Before I get into that, I'll say one of the things that really tipped me off to the importance of that case uh, that, that that I worked on with Mike Lee and Ted Cruz was it was just another example of people trying to tell us, trying to tell uh, you know others how to live their lives how to govern their own affairs unnecessarily and, as I thought, illegally. Um, and that's just part and parcel of really what's motivated me uh, to run for this office. And As I look around the state right now, frankly, the country, we have a serious leadership deficit. We have an energetic left that is trying to tell us how to run our lives in every, every, every sector uh, of our lives. And I think it's unfortunate. It's, it's really problematic. So what I'm asking everybody is three very simple questions with profound answers. Are you freer today than you were two years ago? Are you safer today than you were two years ago? And are you more prosperous than you were two years ago? And for the vast, vast majority of people who answer those questions, their answers are, are no, we're not. And I think we can tie uh, our sitting attorney general directly to that consequence. On so many issues, he's been on the wrong side of the ledger. Um, you know, recently, I think a lot of listeners will know that um, Congress passed some COVID relief legislation. And within that legislation, they included a provision that states who take the federal money that's being given in this legislation um, cannot cut taxes. Now, if you just think about that for a minute, you think, wait a second, you got the federal government giving us money, but telling us with strings attached that we can't set our own budgetary requirements. Now, in my mind, that is a slap in the face to state sovereignty, but it's also a slap in the face to anybody who believes in solid local control of our affairs. And yet, even though uh, uh, over two dozen state attorneys general filed suit against the federal government for this, 
our attorney general did not. Now, I don't care if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. We should all be able to agree that Wisconsin voters should decide on Wisconsin's budget. But our attorney general sees fit to let the Biden administration do that for us. I think that's wrong. I've seen the rise of new groups in Wisconsin. They often are under the name Patriot or Liberty. Here in western Wisconsin, we have two groups I'm familiar with, Liberty Alliance and Lacrosse Liberty. These people are really concerned about the loss of freedoms that happened in the last year related to COVID-19, people being denied the right to assemble to go to church, schools closed. Tell me what you think about these issues of freedom and how would the attorney general have an impact as it relates to personal freedom? I'll tell you what, I think COVID-19 exposed a lot of stuff. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people think that COVID sort of generated this this lockdown, this clamping down on our freedoms. But the, the regrettable thing is it was actually something that was occurring well before that. And I think COVID just exacerbated it uh, and really laid bare the fact that we have many people in office right now who are, are seeking to empower themselves at the cost of our liberties. My position on on all of this is very simple, and it goes back to the Declaration of Independence. Each one of us is born into this world with God-given rights and liberties, and we give them up to the government only insofar as that government is a Republican form of government. That means elections. We elect legislators to represent us. And when our leaders, uh, you know, cut back on that, they've really given up any legitimacy they have in their offices at all. And so what we've seen certainly during COVID is an expansion of an unelected bureaucracy that is becoming more and more empowered to tell us how to live our lives and how to run our daily affairs. I think that is fundamentally anti-American. It's anti-freedom. And we've got to have an attorney general who understands that and who will oppose it. And that's an issue, I think, that I diverge very, very seriously with our current attorney general from. Uh, you know, he sat by idly as uh, as the governor tried to expand his authority in an unconstitutional capacity, and he did nothing about it. He did absolutely nothing to oppose the governor as he and his folks in the administrative branch tried to take our liberties away. Uh, I, I would not have done that. I would have uh, uh, gone against the governor on this. I'd have said very clearly, the Constitution is clear on this, that after a certain time period, you do not have the authority to do what you're doing right now. Uh, we will not allow it to stand any further. So what you're saying is our current attorney general ignored what the Constitution says and remain silent as the governor violated that constitution and people's personal freedom. Is that right? Well, that is right. And it's it's part of a broader pattern that we have unfortunately seen. I'll give you another example. Uh, you know, this is, is not quite as, as highfalutin as the other stuff we talked about, but nevertheless, it's very important for a lot of people in the state. <clears throat> and that involves high capacity wells. Uh, in, in north central Wisconsin, uh, a lot of potato farmers, a lot of farmers require extensive amount of irrigation. And you've got to get deep down into some wells to be able to do that. Well, state statutes lay out fairly clearly the conditions under which you as a farmer can obtain a permit to get one of those wells. Um, and it's very, very clear what you need to do. Well, the Attorney General and the Department of Natural Resources has decided that they are the ones who are going to try to hold all of the navigable waters in the state uh, under trust. They think they're the ones who should be in charge of all of this stuff. And so they started adding conditions 
to the permitting requirements for farmers seeking to get permits. And there was no provision in state statutes that gave them the authority to do that. In fact, there is a law that says that agencies do not have authority of the type that they were seeking to claim here. Yet the attorney general plowed forward with the issue thinking that he and the DNR had the capacity to do this. Uh, I think that's, once again, another step in the wrong direction. It's a step in a direction away from electoral control of our leaders. You're a professor at the University of Wisconsin, so that's a pretty interesting place for someone who's conservative to find employment. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts about education? There are a lot of things that are being put into our curriculum One that's gained notoriety lately is critical race theory. Is there something that the AG can do to address the issue of where our education system is headed? Yeah, I I think so. And I think it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, You know, Bill, I think you've heard me say this before, but uh, your listeners perhaps have not. And and it's it's a story that happened to my family. And it's really, it just, it breaks my heart. Uh, about a month or so ago, my oldest son, who is autistic, he was in uh, one of his virtual classes, and uh, the teacher in that class was just hammering over and over and over again, you know, this message about the atrocities historically of the white male. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can all have very legitimate and extensive discussions about, you know, who's done what throughout history. Um, certainly, we don't want to whitewash history and sugarcoat anything, but to focus so extensively uh, and, and frankly, disgustingly as, as what, what we heard was a real problem. But over and over and over again, to the point where after that class was done, my son looked at my wife and he had tears in his eyes and he said, Mom, I'm a white male. Does that make me bad? And it just... The visceral reaction that I had to that, knowing that this is the kind of stuff that is being taught elsewhere, is just so profoundly disturbing that I think we need to have a serious, serious discussion about what is being taught in classes these days. Um, uh, Look, I have an education background. Uh, I've been a professor at UW-Madison and before that at Harvard, and before that I taught at Washington University in St. Louis. My father was an assistant superintendent in the public school district where I grew up. I come from a family that believes very seriously in education. But the thing is, is I believe so seriously in it and its capacity to do good that I refuse to sit back and let the far left take over our educational institutions and turn them into ideological clearinghouses for the far, far left. And unfortunately, that's what we've seen recently, whether it's doubling down in critical race theory or the 1619 project where, you know, they're trying to target American history as being root to root systematically racist. It is so fundamentally wrong, profoundly anti-American, and I would say illegal, that we need to look into it. If it can be shown that this sort of you know, discussion and analysis is discriminating on the basis of race or sex or some other protected characteristic, I think those people who are engaged in it need to be held to account. Perhaps the most important issue in many people's minds is what happened in the November elections. Many people feel that there was massive fraud that probably changed the outcome of the race that robbed Donald Trump. So my question for you is, what can we do from a legal standpoint? What should have happened? Did the Attorney General of Wisconsin fail 
to enforce the laws of our state as it relates to elections? Well, I, I certainly do think that there were some pretty serious failures uh, on the part not only of the attorney general, but many district attorneys across the state uh, of Wisconsin, particularly in heavily Democratic areas. Uh, you know, we can take a look at these three issues that are, are I think, most profound right now, and that is, you know, ballot harvesting, uh, the drop boxes, and the, the ballot curing, where you had uh, clerks filling in information on uh, envelopes that voters sent in. Um, and, you know, all three of those things were of a very serious and dubious legality. Uh, I don't think we need to get into discussions any broader than that about voting machines or anything like that. I think these three issues on their own were clearly noncompliant with state statute. Um, and I think are, are serious issues that our leaders ought to be looking into right now. I know that the legislature is uh, working on some bills right now to try to clarify this stuff. I think that's incredibly important. Look, uh, you know, Bill, I'm sure you know this. We've talked about this before. This whole thing only works if people believe in the legitimacy of our institutions. And once we lose that, that's the ball game right there. And I think that we are perilously close to people getting to a point where they are willing to just check out. I mean, you and I hear this from time to time. I know others uh, do as well, where we hear people say, I'm not going to vote next time because my vote doesn't count. Well, uh, your vote does count. Um, and we have some things that we can clear up. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Uh, but your vote does count. You know, our, our mutual friend, Eric Van Orden, likes to talk about uh, how you lose every battle you don't fight. And I think that's absolutely right. If you don't even go into a battle, you have already conceded it. And sure, you know, we don't have to talk about this in terms of battles or, you know, fighting. We can just talk about it as a contest. If the Green Bay Packers walk out onto the football field against the Chicago Bears and they just look at the size of the Bears and they say, oh, you know what, uh, we're not going to play this game, they're going to lose. And I don't think any of us who are Packer fans would want to see our team do that. This stuff is important, and we need all hands on deck. So I would just say to folks who are disinclined to vote because they are disturbed by what happened last time around, I think we all hear you. I think there are things that we can do to improve the system. But by God, we've got to get to the polls and vote because the outcome, the alternative, is just awful. You mentioned ballot harvesting as something where there were potential illegalities that happened in our last election. Can you expand upon that? Well, you know, I think the law on this, uh, at least according to the state Supreme Court, was somewhat unclear, but I'm not sure how unclear it really is. The, the statutes say that um, those who are in charge of running the elections can essentially deputize people to, co to collect ballots that are uh, 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 provided to them. But what happened in a lot of these localities is they essentially deputized people uh, very informally, just friends of friends to go out and collect ballots and then return them to the clerks. Um, and that's not something that state statutes uh, authorize, you know, the system that was used there. And I, I think it's of dubious legality. Uh, and I, I hope very, very much that the state Supreme Court weighs in on this issue soon. You know, we have seen other states around the country clamp down on this. The state of Arizona, for example, is uh, litigating a case before the U.S. Supreme Court right now over this over this particular issue. They, uh, they used to allow ballot harvesting to occur among a large swath of people, including um, party officials were able to go and collect ballots from people. And the state of Arizona said, you know, we don't want 
party officials to be influencing voters, intimidating them, scaring them, whatever, putting undue pressure on them. So the state of Arizona said we are still going to allow family members, uh, officials, things like that to go in and collect ballots. We're just not going to allow party officials to do it. And and the Democratic Party uh, of Arizona, as well as the DNC, are litigating that case. And the the U.S. Supreme Court arguing that it violates... um, you know, federal federal law in terms of anti-racial discrimination. And they are so willing to try to get their folks, their political operatives into places like nursing homes and elsewhere to influence those votes that they're willing to make these kinds of claims in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I, I just don't understand how anybody could be opposed to allowing the people who benefit from the vote to go out and collect those votes in that capacity. I think we can agree that in this country, we need to have free and fair elections, but they also need to be secure. If you believe in one, you got to believe in the other. Some information our listeners may not be aware of is that the race for the 32nd Senate District, which was Dan Kapanke, was swung by ballot harvesting in the city of La Crosse. So if we look at the number of ballots that were mailed out in 2016, about 8,500 in 2020, this is just the city of La Crosse, they mailed out over 17,000 ballots. Then those were returned at a rate of 94%, which is just not achievable any other way than harvesting ballots, which I did hear reports of. So that increased the number of Democrat votes in the city of La Crosse by over 6,000 votes. Dan Kapanke lost by less than 600 votes. So there's no question that ballot harvesting in the city of La Crosse kept him out of the state Senate. And when we look at uh, Derek Van Orden in the 3rd Congressional District, ballot harvesting in Stevens Point, Eau Claire, and La Crosse, if that doesn't happen, those vote increases don't happen. Derek Van Orden is in Congress. Yeah. Ryan Owens, thank you for joining us today. As I look to the elections of 2020, I think the race for attorney general is very important. What we've seen is a pattern where the governor of Wisconsin has exceeded his legislative authority. The state Supreme Court ruled on four different occasions that he, in fact, acted illegally. It's vitally important that we have an attorney general who's going to stand up for the rule of law and enforce those laws. In particular, we need an attorney general who's going to hold the administration to account when it comes to them exceeding their authority as they apply the laws in our state. In fact, they're actually writing their own laws in some respects. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again. Happy to be here. Thanks, Bill. I'm Jen O'Brien. And I'm Bill Fian. And that was another episode of Fact Check. Thanks for listening to Fact Check. Subscribe to this podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can listen at wizmnews.com.